0: Yeheskel chapter nineteen, el Nisi e Israel. Chapter nineteen begins with a command, presumably a command from God. It doesn't say so, but clearly is God's command. You are to intone a dirge over the princes of Israel. Yeheskel, and the, one of the power of powers of Yeheskel's prophecies is a multi talented prophet. He has parables, he has riddles, and he also has dirges, kina. We associate the idea of a kina with a different prophet, of course, with the prophet Yirmiyah, with Jeremiah. And in fact, the book of Echa, the book of Kinot, is identified by the tradition as the work of Jeremiah. It never actually says that in the book of Echa, but they are ascribed to Jeremiah and much of the language But here, Yecheskel, has a kinah as well. And chapter 19 has two parts. The first part of chapter 19, which focuses on the mother, the lioness. The first part of chapter 19 describes the lioness. What a lioness was your mother, among the lions. That's how it begins. That's the first part, up to and including verse number 9. And in verse 10, it once again goes back to the mother, who's the subject of the chapter. But beginning in verse 10, Imcha ki gev'en Your mother was like a vine, b'damcha, and your blood perhaps Perhaps in a vineyard, it's not clear, but what is clear is that in part one, the dirge focuses on the mother lioness. And in the second part of the chapter, it's the vine. Let's first start with the lioness, then we'll get to the vine. This is the dirge. So the chapter begins by saying, your mother is a lioness, crouching among the grape beasts. Ravta, farim. Rabta Gureha and this lioness rears cubs. And in verse number three we have the first cub, Teref The first one became a great beast, a hunter, devoured people. And this lion, this cub, was became well known amongst the nations. And he was caught in their snare. And this nitpas, b'chichachim al-Eretz And he was brought down to the land of Egypt. Cub number one. The lioness, when she sees that she was defeated, her hope is lost, in verse number five, v'atikach echad kafir samatu. She took another cub, and she set him up as a great beast. And we have in verse number six a repetition of what we saw earlier. Also a great warrior, to vow with humans. But perhaps he ravished their widows. It's not clear. He destroyed cities. The land was laid waste from his roaring. And once again, other nations arrayed against him. But Yefrasual love Vishtam, Nipas, he's caught in their snare. And this one is again carried off with hooks put in a cage. He's brought to Babel, to 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 Babylon, and his cry will never be heard again on the hills of Israel. And that's the first part of chapter 19. Now again, our impulse is to ask the question, the first lion is brought to Egypt, the second lion is brought to Babel. The primary character, of course, is the parent, in this case the mother of the lioness, and we are, I think, inclined to try to figure out to whom do these lions refer. The first one ends up in Mitzrayim, and the second one ends up in Babel, so it could be, if it has a particular reference, we know that the first son of Yoshiahu, named Yehovah was brought to Mitzrayim. After a very short amount of time. And we know that two other kings of Judah are brought to Babel. That is, Yehoiachim and Sidkiyahu. We're not sure about Yehoiachim, what happened to him. It's unclear. It never says. But essentially, these are the sons of, of King Yoshiahu, And it could be that the Kina refers specifically to them. It's also possible that the kinon need not have a particular reference, may talk in generalities. And it is very striking that the description of the the mother, the great lioness, that the language used to describe the lioness is very similar to language used to describe Judah. The kings descend from Judah. Yaakov blesses Yehuda, chapter 49 of Genesis. And the Judah is a lion. And the description of Judah as a lion is a very positive description in chapter 49. Here in the Kinah, some of the language is language of Judah. Of course, presumably the dirge is about the kings of Judah. The kings of Israel have long been exiled. On the other hand, some of the language here appears to be quite negative. Ravishing the, the, the widows, uh making the land uh utterly destroyed. And we do find in the prophetic writings references to lions, some of the prophetic writings in which are far from positive. That's very interesting, actually. So that Yachesko may be choosing language which we identify typically as positive but using it in a negative way. And the same thing can be argued for the second half of chapter 19. Here in the second half of 19, the mother is like a vine. We have seen earlier, generally speaking, a vine, Israel as a vine, is something very positive. We had occasion to look at the 80th Psalm, the very beautiful 80th Psalm. In the context of the earlier chapter, uh, chapter 15, where Yechesko plays off the idea of the vine, actually the, the wood of the vine, as something worthless, as something useless. That's Yechesko. Over here, he, we go back to the vine as something good, something positive. For example, in verse number 10, like a vine planted beside streams, luxuriant boughs and branches, Thanks to abundant waters, she had a mighty, she had a mighty rod fit for a ruler's scepter. It towered highest among the leafy trees. So it describes this person, the mother, perhaps representing the kings of Judah. She's luxuriant—that's the vine, the grapevine—and an abundant b- boughs towering above. And here, what happens to her, however, she is plucked up in a fury. She's hurled to the ground. in verse 12. Ruach Hakadim Hovish Purya. Breaking apart and withering. Her branches are withered. They break apart and dry up. Her mighty rod consumed by fire. And now she ends up Shitua Ba planted in the desert. The earth siavet sama in ground that is arid and parched. Fire issues from her twiglet and branch. There is fire. We encountered that earlier. Her fruit is consumed. She is left without a mighty rod, a scepter to rule with. Here we have the luxuriant bow that loses everything. She was once planted by waters, ends up being planted in the desert. Here. And I saw this in the writings of interpretation of Moshe Greenberg, which is an excellent piece of work, that the suggestion here as well that there's something about this vine which is negative. I have the same feeling about it. And that is, (laughs) V'atigba komato albein avotayim V'yera bigovho b'rov do'yotav towering high among the leafy trees, conspicuous by its height. with something about being very high and very tall and very big, which carries with it a negative side as well. It's something about arrogance, about self-importance. So the Kina is interesting that in both the first and the second parts of the chapter, the lion and the vine, on one hand, recalling posit- the positive image of the lion and vine, and especially Judah the lion, but Yechezkel weaves into it something very negative as well. Of course, it's Akinah. Akinah means, what have we lost? Akinah is all about what was, and even more so, what might have been. So this is Akinah, for the fallen kings of Judah, for the fallen kingship, For the fallen lands. Kinahi is the last verse. This is a dirge. It becomes a familiar dirge. Perhaps the sense is it's a dirge. It's a dirge that I want you to remember. It's a dirge that I want you to intone. I write a dirge not just for now, for myself, says Yecheskel, but remember this dirge and remember to repeat what I say.